Thank you for listening to Life Church Lithia. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. This is week five, I think. I don't even know anymore. Week five of a series we've been in called Church of Power. And we've been exploring what it looks like to be more than a normal church. How many of you are interested in being more than a nominal Christian? Four of you. Although there's more. We're getting better. We're getting better every week. Listen, if you are a part of this church or if this is your first time, you've got to know that we are just not interested in being normal Christians. We're not interested in checking off a box of agendas that we should do to be better people. We want to know what it is like to live in power. Not just to live in power, to live in power to say, man, we're awesome Christians, but to live free from sin and to do the work that God has called us to do. You look in the gospel and there is one commission, and that commission is to what? To go. Go and as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, but, but the main mandate for you is to go. Now the enemy would like to do anything he can or he would or could do to stop you from going. So what does he do? If he can get you dealing with anxiety, if he can get you feeling depressed, if he can get you feeling like you just are not good enough, um, if he can just get you to compare yourself. See, I know there are people in this room from all walks of life. You guys are all different. Some of you may have been in church your whole life, and, and you've heard every sermon that every pastor can say. And so we come into church, and we treat the Lord as common. <laughs> we treat the Lord as common. Listen, Moses was leading the people of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. And one day he makes a mistake, right? Following the Lord, he freed the people of Israel. He did all these things. And I read over something this week that really struck me. I mean, it really struck me. I, was, I always wondered, man, how, what was it that, that caused Moses? Because if you read the story of Moses in Exodus, he leads his people, and he's leading a bunch of stubborn. They're stubborn. I mean, they can't get it right. They can't get it together. They got their issues, but, but that's, that's how we all are, right? We all got our issues. You say, you read through it, and, 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 and we separate ourselves. Man, these people are dumb. They, they worship idols. They do this. They do that. But we do the same. When you spend three hours every night in front of a television, it becomes an idol. When you, when you struggle with giving the money that God has given you and you love your money, it becomes an idol. When you give more attention to your job than to your family or to God, it becomes an idol. And so... At the end of his story, you see that Moses becomes frustrated because he was at a rock. And the last time, God told him to strike the rock. And when he struck the rock, water came out of the rock. And so this time, instead of striking the rock, God told him to speak to the rock. But he decided to do what God had told him last time. This is why we talked about this. It's important for you to know what God is saying to you now. Because the way you responded to a situation yesterday may not be the way God wants you to respond to a situation today. The Bible is clear that there is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. There's a time for this. You read it. It's a whole chapter. A time for this and a time for that and a time. It means that every day may demand a different response. So we must be attentive and willing to lean into the heart of God to understand what's really going on for this day. There are lots of people that are struggling with various things. And they're fighting today's battles with yesterday's words and wondering why they don't get breakthrough. And so this, Moses comes up to this rock and instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. And it was this one simple act that prevented him from walking into the promised land. I think, man, that's harsh. I mean, all he did was hit a rock. I've done worse than hit a rock. 
And I know there are times where God has told me something. I understand, listen, we live under grace and it's a different thing, but there's, there's a principle here. Because when you read about why Moses was not able to enter into the promise, it says he was not able to enter into the promise because he treated the Lord as common in the eyes of the Israelites. What does that mean? That's important. Because when you have been exposed to the vastness, the greatness of God and how good he really is, it strips away from you the ability to treat him as common. The more God exposes himself, the more he shows you who he really is, the less you can respond like everyone else. And so I'll get around certain people and they can do certain things and they'll say, well, why can't you do this? It's not that I can't, it's that I won't. Well, that's religious. Why can't, that's legalism and we're not under law. I'm not under law, I'm in love. There's a difference. I fought the Lord. Oh. Because so many people, they want to live this life of complacency. Listen, I'm talking to you about not living a nominal life and believing God for more. In the beginning of this year, when I was fasting, we, we did an extended fast, 21 days. I asked the Lord, Lord, what is it about this year? He said, you're going to step into the more. It won't be just numerical. It won't just be financial. You're going to step into greater depths of my presence. Now, they may not interest you, but you have to know that the presence of Jesus is what changes everything. It's more than a tingly. It's more than goosebumps. It's more than you falling. It is the presence of God, the anointing coming upon you that transforms your life. From the inside out, it changes you. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't feel different. Well, you have to know. You have to know that the moment, this is a mantra of our church, the moment you say yes to him, you are a different person. The moment you say yes to him, something is deposited on the inside of you that allows you to walk different. I understand you still got issues. It's because the devil's angry. <laughs> People, well, I don't, man, the moment I said yes to Jesus or I step in, it's like all hell came towards me. Of course it did. I've gotten to the point in my life that when things are kind of calm or still, I'm like, whoa, I must not be taking enough risks. Because the moment you take bold steps of faith towards Jesus, you better know that the devil is about to send a Goliath. Because on the other side of your bold step of faith is divine destiny. And so you got to make a choice. Will I live a normal Christian life like everyone else or will I step into the more? Are you alive? You understand what I'm talking about? Will I step into the more? I read a prophetic word that always so stirred me. It says this. I have felt a pull these last few weeks into escape into the secret place more than usual. The past few nights in worship, I kept seeing a vision of crowns being thrown at his feet, which turned into an incense. Now, if you read Revelations chapter 4, you see that the elders, they cast their crown. And how our worship is like an incense. It's like when you turn on the incense and there's a, there's, there's a smoke that comes up. Our worship unto the Lord is like that. It's not in vain. It's not just singing songs. That's why as a church we have declared that we will be ministers unto the Lord. I'm going to talk about this. I was going to talk about it this week, but I don't even think you're ready for it yet. I think the Lord said they need to be, you need to fast for a week before you even talk about that. I'm serious. Because we talk about the secret place and people think, well, that's only for superstar Christians. No, that's what it looks like to be a Christian. We don't pray to do the work of God. Prayer is the work of God. 
it is our job to come into communion with him. We've made, we've made Christianity something that it was never meant to be. It was never about you ministering. It was never about you preaching to thousands. It was about you walking with the Lord. And the extension of that intimacy, the extension of that love causes people to want what you have. It's why you hate on people who are newly in love. Like, I hate them. They're so, ah. Uh. Because you don't have that no more. Let's be real. Why do we hate? They share everything. And I'm like, you better not touch my plate, bro. Don't. I ordered my steak. If you want a steak, you should order steak. And we hate on that, right? But what that looks like is first love. Where, where you, are so, you are so captivated by this person that even the stuff that makes you uncomfortable, you're like, I'll do it for the cause of love. Now, we walk around that now and we're like, that's gross. Because I've been together 10 years and I'm supposed to hate my wife. No. It's the same thing that happens in Christianity. We see people who are burning and on fire for God and you say, don't worry, it'll fade. Oh, bro, stop that. If people are burning, you should go up to them and say, this is what Christianity looks like. Don't ever let it die. Protect that first love. The Bible says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. That's why I can believe for more. Because I know in the last days, it says, all flesh, my spirit will be poured out and everyone will feel who God is. It doesn't say everyone will receive, but they will have to make a choice. You see, Bible knowledge must lead you to Bible experience. If Bible knowledge does not lead you to Bible experience, then all you have done is you've become a better debater. You've equipped yourself better to debate with people. And so we've taken this approach. I have people in my family. They don't believe in healing. Okay, cool. They don't believe in healing. I don't debate with them because I understand that's, that's, their, that's their stance. But here's what happens. Sometimes I run across those same people and they'll be like, bro, I got the worst pain. I know you don't believe, but can I pray for you? My mom was one of them. My mom used to not believe. I haven't seen it. I had people die of cancer. I say, I know, mom, but that, I know. I know there's lots of reasons to doubt. There's always reasons to doubt. But ask my wife, every time I have prayed for terrible neck pain from a car accident, put my hands on her neck, prayed for her neck, the pain immediately ceased. Now, at this, at this moment, it's no longer about Bible knowledge. <laughs> now she has had an experience. And now she has to make a choice. Either I'm crazy or this is true. It's why the apostles and the disciples, when they walked, they said, I did not only come to you with speech, but I came to you with power. That what I spoke was what I lived, and what I lived proved to be true. And so somebody may come and debate with you, oh, that's not right, oh, look at this scripture, but at the end of the day, you still had the experience. It's why the most powerful miracle that exists today is the transformed life. Listen, we've seen cancer be healed. We've seen AIDS be healed. We've seen death. We've seen it. We've seen it. But the most powerful miracle that still exists is that somebody would walk through that door broken and hurting, and they would walk feeling full of hope. That even if though they did not understand it, their life, they were made a new creation, and they were given Christ the hope of glory. And now they're walking. Oh, my goodness. They, they came in full of garbage, and they left full of kingdom.
and they don't even really know it yet. And he doesn't care. They're going to go out and they, may, they might make the same mistakes. They might talk the same way. But on the inside, God has rewired. And so, and so we walk out this gospel, the gospel of power. And we believe for the more. And we believe that God is going to pour out. I didn't even read the rest of this word. <laughs> it says this. There has been such an extreme awareness of his desire to encounter and fill me and demands a response to lay down everything of worth at his feet. This is, this is Mary of Bethany, what we've, what we've talked about. That when you realize that his pursuit is you, you, you don't do anything. You can't do anything but lay down everything at his feet. You say, are you willing to pay the price? What price? What do I have in my life that is worthy of exchanging him? There's nothing. There's no money. There's no relationship. When you realize what you gain and what you give, you realize that it's a terrible exchange rate for him. <laughs> and so I have sensed strongly that there is corporately, there is a longing for us to know his heart. And in this hour, that will counteract the confusion trying to overtake the poison of the bride. Hear this. The secret place is your best defense against anything thrown your way. Fear, deception, hopelessness, as well as old religious mindsets and legalism. Whatever it is, it is his presence that makes all those crooked things straight. And imposters and hindrance to your destiny don't stand a chance. It's in the secret place. The Bible says this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Now, I need you to understand that the Spirit of the Lord does not only reside in this church. The Spirit of the Lord goes with you everywhere that you go. That's why I can say to you, hey, on Saturday, come. It doesn't matter if you feel or whatever, because I know that as long as you prioritize the presence and he is upon you, that freedom will happen. Well, I don't know the manuscript. That's good. That's better. Because the Bible says that when you don't know what to say, I will fill your mouth. Now, how many of you know that his words are better than your words? I'm preaching. Go and as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have been given, so freely give. This is the gospel. That we would freely give ourselves and that we would understand that the calling to more requires us to hide ourselves. And when you hide yourself, he will reveal you. When you try to reveal yourself and when you try to do things man's way, you will always have to keep up pleasing man to keep your position. When you open up your own doors, you will always have to satisfy man to keep those doors open. Now, when you hide yourself, and it is God who opens up the curtain, are you understanding? Because you have to know there's more to your life than normal nine to five. I'm not against your nine to five. I'm not against your job. I'm just saying there's more for you. Some of you are discontent and you're uncomfortable, and it's because there's this pulling on your heart that says there has to be more to life than this, and you're right. You're right. And so we come to church and we expect God to just throw it on our laps. But that's not how it works. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. There's, there's, there's something about this gospel that caused us to pursue 
with everything that we have, everything that has been promised for us. I was reading a book this week, and I was so moved by a story. Has anybody ever heard of the Moravians? The Moravians were some of the, the first, oh, the missionary girls were like, me. <laughs> they were these people that were captivated by a people group, and, and God put these people on their heart. And they couldn't, it was literally impossible for them to go. These people were on an island, and the island was owned by a slave owner. And the slave owner was a completely against Christianity or any kind of gospel. There was, no, there was no access to the island, and they tried, and they failed. They tried to sneak in. They got shipwrecked. It was a mess. So finally, they came to the conclusion they couldn't live life. They couldn't continue to live life without fulfilling what God had put inside of them. So the only conclusion they came to was this. The only way for me to get in there is for me to sell myself into slavery. How many of you ever heard the phrase, may the lamb receive the, war, the reward for his suffering? It's a missionary, it's, 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 a, it's a phrase that missionaries use. May, may the lamb, Christ, receive the full reward for his suffering. Many people don't know that that phrase was coined in 19, it was 1783. As the family of those stood on a dock as they had sold themselves into slavery knowing they would never come back. To go on a ship to sail into uncertainty, but, but counting the cost and saying, if this is what it takes for me to live in the presence of God and full of glory, then this is what I will do. What would it look, listen, I'm not telling you that it has to be that radical, but I am telling you that it has to look like something. Life isn't always easy, I get it. Things come against you and you may be here and you may not understand it. You may be looking for hope. Jesus is hope. You can continue to live in a cycle of religious, religion and of, and of compromise and of things. Or you can choose to fully give yourself to him. And your life can say, may the lamb receive the full reward of his suffering without giving yourself into slavery. With simply saying yes to loving the person in front of you. With simply understanding, you know, we, we've, been, we've been serving the Lord now for, for 10 years. I've been, I've been saved only 10 years. And before I was saved, I know there's a lot of new people. It's easy for you. I have to say this. It's easy for you to not identify with me because you think, well, he's just a pastor. Listen, 10 years ago, I was a drug addict. And I would love to tell you that I had it all together, but I walked into a sanctuary and I had no idea. I reeked of smoke. And I, I knew nothing except I was so angry. I was angry at God. I was angry with people. I didn't grow up in a home where I ever had anybody tell me really they loved me. I'm just telling you so you can see that your dysfunction is not an excuse. My dad left. My mom tried to also. 15 years old, I get kicked out of home, and I'm on the streets for three years. And, and I make all the mistakes and all the things, yet, yet I look back at my life and I see the faithfulness of God, how he pulls me out of a pit. And I say yes to him, and three months later, I'm standing in front of people sharing about the goodness of God. No, 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 I can't.
can't share. You don't understand. Three months ago, I was a drug addict. That's okay. People need to see that God can use normal people. That's what they would tell me. Like, I'm not normal. I'm messed up. <laughs> That's the problem. I got issues. No, no, no. Just share your story. And so I say yes to Jesus. The excuses begin to fade away, right? Can I just tell you my journey? I go through a program. I'm, I'm doing, we're doing great. Anthony was here. The Covington was there. Uh, we, we, were, we were all, dreams began to arise on the inside of us. I get married to my wife. This is my beautiful wife. Wave to the fans. I get married to my wife and everything Everything is seemingly going the way that I thought it should go. How many of you know that the Bible says a, a man makes his own plans? <laughs> I had made my own plans. I said yes to Jesus. My life is going to be awesome. I got a great job. I got a fresh apartment. I'm not a drug addict anymore. I got an amazing wife. She can sing. So even if I suck at preaching, she sings before me. It's all going to be awesome. <laughs> I had my plans. And so we're living life and everything's going good. I'm just trying to show you that not everything always works out the way you think it should work out. And being a church of power and being a person of power has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with your decision. We're living life. We're excited. Understand, I already told you about my family dysfunction. There were a few things in life I wanted more than a family. So, so we get married, everything's going great, we're working at a church, and all of a sudden, my wife has a miscarriage. Now, for me, this, this is devastating, right? And for my wife, even more devastating. So I got double devastation. My wife's devastated, and I thought, God. Anybody ever say that? Like, God, you know, bro. You may not say bro, but I say bro. <laughs> bro, you know. You, you, have anybody ever been confused about something God is, you felt God had done? Just being honest. Like, you see my journal when I write. <laughs> you know that I want family. And it becomes easy in this situation to become disoriented because you, become, you begin to believe that God has left you. And that, and that the blessings of God are not on you anymore. And so we kind of recuperate. The, 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 the church we were at really didn't know how to navigate. And we were broken. And, and so right, right about when we move into like a kind of a normal season of life again, my wife has another miscarriage, and it's like, you, ugh, you got to be kidding me. I'll never forget, and in my apartment, and I hear a banging in the bathroom, and I immediately knew, like, I heard her crying, I knew, you got to be kidding me. Can I catch a bone? <laughs> and so now we're living life, and I'm working in ministry, and, and I'm completely disoriented because for the first time in my life, everything is not going the way I thought it should go. And so I'm looking, at, I'm looking at people, and there's as many people as here, and I'm preaching to them about hope, and I'm preaching to them about, about grace, and I'm preaching to them about joy, but I feel broken. You understand this? I feel broken. I preach to people about hope, and they respond to the gospel, and they feel hope, yet I feel hopeless. Everything feels backwards. <laughs> and so now I find myself, I've been pastoring for... Two years, and here we are, a year, two years. I'm terrible with time frames. And, and my wife is in a deep state of depression. I'm not doing much better. I need to tell you this so you understand that we're just normal people. Because we've talked about how we've seen the miracles, and we've seen all this stuff, and it's easy for you to, 
But listen, we've been through some crap. The church doesn't know what to do with my wife, so what do they do? They send her to doctors. I'm not against doctors. We love doctors. We believe they work. But their only solution was to just dope my wife up. And so we're, what, two years married? And, and, and we're going through all of this stuff. And, and I'm sitting at my, in my apartment complex, and I had completely regressed. I mean, I just, I regressed. I didn't know what to do. I, I wanted to quit. And, and I thought, God has, God, you've, you've abandoned me. And I just want to let you know that if, if that's the journey you're in or if that's the struggle you're in, it's okay. One person said, yeah, they've probably been through it. Because you can come into church and you can feel like I don't have anything in common with these people because we come to church and we love to put on our masks, right? It's why we've worked so hard at creating an atmosphere of realness because you need to know if you're battling with depression, there's freedom from that. If you're battling with anxiety, but it doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make you any less powerful. I would say to you that the attack of your life is the proof of power. It's the proof that inside of you there is greatness. And so we did not know what we were going to do. I, we quit our job. We were in Jacksonville, Florida. We left. These guys were with us. And I said to people around me, you, I will never do ministry again. We had already done ministry. We had already seen success in ministry. We saw a ministry grow. But I was so done with being with everything. I will never do it again. And this is why it's so important that you surround yourself with people who know the Lord. Because you get around some people and all they want to do is talk. <laughs> all they want to do is talk and add to the, what the devil's doing. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done with this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You can't run from this. This is who you are. And I'm telling you today that you may be running from God. You may not understand what you're going through. But your situation is not who you are. There is a glory that is wanting to be revealed on the inside of you. There is something, it's why the devil fights you. The Bible talks about you allowing God to transform. He's trying to transform you. And how is he trying to transform you? By changing the way you think. Romans 12, can I go there with you? What time is it? We're doing okay. A lot of stairs. I haven't finished the story yet, so it, it ends a little bit better. Romans 12 says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will be acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. See, we, think, we, we equate worship to songs, but true worship is you giving all of yourself to him. That's why it's so powerful, the heart of worship song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. <laughs> Because we've made worship a lot of things when it's really about us surrendering our whole lives to him. And thus saying this, yes. Verse 2. Do not copy the, the patterns and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you. See, he's trying to transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. Not just the way you think about life, but the way that you think about you. The way that you think about God, the way that you think about the people around you, allowing him to rewire and understanding that you are not whatever dysfunction you may be in right now. I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I thought I need to. Because we'll go on outreach, and some of you will stay home because you think, I got too much garbage in my life to be able to do that. That's the moment that you need to go out the most. 
Listen, if you're living in gross sin, we can talk about that. And we can have a, we can have a conversation. But at the same time, you need to know that you can be free from sin. When you say yes to Jesus, sin is no longer your master. Christianity is not about coping with your sin nature. Your sin nature is dead. You got to understand that. Well, why do I still struggle? Romans made it very clear that God is trying to rewire everything that you wired. And so sometimes the way that you think will lead you down a path, but it's not who you are anymore. And so, again, you surround yourself by people that say, hey, bro, you're better than that. This is what I always done. That's cool, bro, but you need a new story. It's time for you to walk a new way. It's time for you to believe a new way. Are you alive? So we get around these people, and they're speaking to us about all of our stuff. And, and so we have people encourage us and believe in us. And finally, you know, we had just been told the lie that this was just going to be the new normal for me and my wife. This is going to be what she is her whole life. And, and depression is a sickness, which it is, but it's also a demon. I can say that because we've been there. I can say that because I felt it in my house. <laughs> I'm not saying you're demon possessed, but I'm saying that the enemies of darkness are trying to attack you. And so you know what happened? We started to believe God again. And we said, well, we have nothing. You ever say, well, I had nothing else, so I trusted the Lord. It's like, man, how can we get you to start there? <laughs> I have nothing else left. I've tried everything, so I guess I'll give God a shot. I pray that we become a church that doesn't have to get to that place. <laughs> and so we grabbed hands with my, I grabbed hands with my wife. In, the, in our Mazda 626. She's not going to hold my hand. Don't let me hang in, babe. Dang. And we said, we believe God can do it. All the haters you understand when you have a word from God, it doesn't matter what people say? You understand that? It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what, 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 what people don't understand. You can't do that. Your wife has been taking medicine for a year, and she'll die. I'm like, I don't have my wife now. That's how I felt. That's how she felt. We grab hands, and in, in that day, there was no weaning. There was no nothing. We believed the Lord, and it was the last time she ever took medicine. Depression left. There was no season of, 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 of adjustment. The moment we fully believed and gave our, gave our yes to him, he touched her body from head to toe, and there's been no medicine since. But now it becomes a part of our story. You know how powerful your story is? The Bible says that you are a living epistle. You know what that means? It means that your life tells a story. Everywhere that you go, everything that you say, the way that you walk, the way that you talk, people are watching. People are looking. And they're not, listen, some people aren't even wanting to be haters. They're just looking for real. They're searching. And so sometimes we're outside and people will come up to us. We were at a breakfast. And some guy came into the breakfast and I was just sitting, minding my business, and he makes a beeline to us. I'm like, this guy's about to hit me. I thought, I'm like, he looks angry. He did not, he looks so intense. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, my name is Gio. Dang. Bit, ab <laughs> bit abrasive. He looks at my wife. He says, songs in you. I was like, okay. He didn't know. We had just been talking in the car. 
And we were listening to upper room worship, and we love, we love the sound coming out of that house. And my wife says, I, I've been praying to the Lord that he would give me the ability to write songs, but not just songs that sound good, but songs from heaven that would release something because we understand there is a new sound coming. There's a new sound coming. There is a new breed of Christians where it's not about suits and it's not about fancy words, but about real people who say, oh, years ago I was in depression, but I want you to hear my sound of freedom. <laughs> I want you to hear it. So, so, 30 minutes before, we're talking about writing songs and about stuff. And I said, babe, he's going to do it because it's inside of you. And all of a sudden, 30 minutes later, a guy comes. He says, songs. God's going to write songs. And he's going to use your voice. And you're going to minister with this person. And he went on. And we were like, Destiny was on her phone. Because he really kind of seemed like a crazy guy. And, and then he said songs. And Destiny goes, because when you have a word from the Lord, you have people's attention. And so then he goes on, and he begins to speak to me. He said, and I see you, man, and you've been hidden. Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you know it's been like four months where the Lord says, I want you to be hidden. And I'm like, oh, my, this guy's been in my prayer closet. And he says, it's like a hammer. Listen, there's a new sound that is arising from God's people, and it's going to come from you. It's not going to be from the guy you watch on TV. It's not going to be from the superstar. It's coming from real people that have had real issues but serve a real God and choose to take real risk and choose to put one foot in front of another. It's not about your qualification. It's not about you. It's about him. And it's about him wanting to burst out of you. You may, this may be your first time. This may seem crazy. I hope it does. I hope it does. I hope that you leave here feeling like, man, those people believe for more that was possible. That our lives would inspire people to dream. That it would inspire people to believe that no matter what my bank account looks like, no matter how good I speak, no matter how tall, how big, or how I look, that God can use me. That I'm just a coin in his pocket, and I say, put me in your pocket and spend me however you'd like. A lot of puzzled faces. This is the gospel. A gospel of power where we say, God, transform us, change us, fill us, use us. We will consecrate ourselves. We will pay the price. We will not cower. We will not bow. We will not give in. We will not give up. Like the Moravians, wherever we're at in life, we say, let the lamb receive the full reward for his suffering. That can be said in Lithia, that can be said in Riverview, that can be said in Valrico. It doesn't have to look any different than you saying yes. I want to read to you one more scripture. I read to you Acts 2.17. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, say all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's what we're contending for and believing for. Weeks ago the Lord said, I'm pouring out new wine. The wine represents the Holy Spirit. It's biblical. I'm pouring out new wine. Now, what should our response be? What, what is our responsibility? It is to prepare the wineskin. Understand, in those times, if they were to pour new wine into a wineskin, it would not be able to contain and it would bust. 
And so our job is to prepare our hearts for the outpouring that God is pouring out his, on his people, which is you. Don't disqualify yourself. Colossians 1, the, la- the, the leader of our prayer ministry sent this, and I thought it was so good. Colossians 1, 26. It says this. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now, say now. But now, it's being revealed. That's good news. Unfolded and manifested for every believer to experience. Living within you is Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. Oh. There has been a mystery hidden things that have been hidden but in this time and age they are being revealed it is his goodness it is his grace it is his mercy it's being revealed how is it being revealed it's very clear living within you every holy believer you're being flooded with the expectation of his glory the mystery of Christ which is embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and I love how it ends and God wants everyone say everyone God wants everyone to know it it's time to let out our secret that there's greatness inside of you You may be struggling. I just want to tell you, sitting idle doesn't fix anything. The commissioning comes in the go. And so for these next 12 days, God is calling us to a time of consecration. What does that mean? A time of being set apart. Whether that's food, whether that's phone, whether that's TV, Whatever it is, for the next 12 days, you say, God, I'm putting this on a shelf so I can see you more clearly. And as we see him more clearly, what's going to happen? The mysteries of heaven are being revealed so that every believer can see in you what they've always been searching for, which is what? Jesus. Amen? Are you alive? I want to pray for you. I want us to pray together as a church for these next 12 days. Let's stand to our feet. Yeah, I just felt like when we were sitting on on the when I was sitting on the front row that I was just supposed to pray over people who are struggling really bad with depression right now. And like you don't have to make yourself known. That's not important. When he was sharing um, our story, something that was so um, just sad was I went to the church to ask for help and I told them that I was struggling and instead of welcoming me, they told me that I better not be doing it for attention. And so I was so devastated. I was like, I'm not doing this for attention. And um, two days later, I tried to commit suicide. And my husband had to take me to a mental institution to get help. 
And so in that moment, God was ever so real to me. In that moment, he, he made himself very known. And I feel like because I did struggle with that, the Lord has given me authority to speak to it. And so I wanna speak to it today and I wanna tell it to go. So if you're struggling, I'm not gonna ask you to make yourself known, but I just want everyone right now to put your hand over your heart because we're gonna speak against this, this demon that I feel is loose, that is attacking people's minds, this anxiety. I speak against anxiety. I had a conversation this week. It is running rampant in our nation and it has to go. People are making it, they're normalizing it. It's not normal and it has to go. So Father, right now, I just speak to it and I tell it to leave. I tell all heaviness to go. Right now in the name of Jesus, I tell all, every label, every label that every doctor has given, we remove the label right now in the name of Jesus. We tell it no more, no more, no more, no more heaviness, no more sickness. We tell it to leave right now. And we ask for joy to come back in. We ask for joy to come back in over hearts that are heavy, over homes that are heavy right now. We ask for joy, for joy, joy in every aspect, God. I just pray that those who are struggling, Father, that they would just find themselves laughing. And people would say, why are you laughing? Well, I don't know, but the joy of the Lord is just coming upon them again. We speak freedom freedom over this, over families. We tell this dark stormy cloud to go. We tell it to go in the name of Jesus. We ask for your perfect love to just come rest in homes, rest in hearts, rest on your children right now, Jesus. Your perfect peace, your perfect peace. Yeah, I just feel the Lord on that right now. I just feel the Lord on that. I feel like right now it's breaking off of people. It's breaking off of people. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> there it goes. There's freedom right now. Jesus, we just thank you for your freedom. We thank you that your son paid such a price that we could be free, God. We love you, God. We love you. We love you. Yeah. I'm not moving from this moment because I can feel it. I don't know who, it, who it's on right now, but I feel as if these, these, this, this weight is just falling off of you. It's almost as if you're like being reborn, like you're shaking off. You're shaking off the weight. So just shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake off the weight right now. Yeah, freedom. There's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. There's freedom right now, freedom in the house. Freedom in the house right now.